Welcome to a Backyard Ultra podcast. In this episode, Margie Hadley came on. Margie is the female Australian record holder for Backyard Ultras, and she was recently the last one standing at Birdies. Here we go. Hi, Margie. How are you going? Good, Pato. That's good. Thanks for coming on. No worries. That's my pleasure. <laughs> well done on your uh, win at Birdies not all that long ago. Thank you. Um, it was a it was a great race. I was lucky enough to run with Rob Parsons, and um, we worked together for a a good good result. wasn't um, wasn't quite a record that I would have liked to I would have liked to have gone more than forty eight, but it was a it was a great run. Yeah. 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 Um, so, how long have you been running for, and how did you get into it? Um, roughly started running when I was about 30. I've always played sport. Um, I've done a few triathlon, I've done Ironman. Um, and yeah, when I was about 30, I, I was actually quite, um, I was quite bad at running in the triathlon. Like that was my worst, well, swimming is my worst leg, but running, I wasn't very good. I was probably around like a six, seven minute pace and I was stronger on the bike because I've done a fair bit of bike before. So, um, and then I started focusing more on the running side. And um, so, yeah, when I was about 30, but I didn't really start uh, ultras until 2016. So oh. not not that long ago, really. Yeah. Do you still um, get on the bike much? I haven't. I've I've still got my bikes, but I um I've got good intentions, but yeah, I just don't manage it. time wise. I just don't really manage it. Yeah, sure. Um, so when you have run a lot of ultras, though, like if you started two thousand and sixteen, um, I noticed last year, I count you did eight, um, but it looks like you've taken a, a bit of a different approach this year, though. Yeah, I had a bit of a break after the World Championships. I just needed to reset a little bit. I find after some of the big races, um, you do get a little bit down. Sometimes just need that bit of a break. Um, so I wanted to refocus. And the first half of this year, I actually wanted just to just go back to running for fun and doing some shorter stuff, just really getting that enjoyment back before cranking up again so you know trying to hit a few bigger races at this second half of the year mm. well it looks like you yeah i saw that you ran at the rome marathon so that would have been fun it was awesome so i um one of my biggest supporters is jenny taplin and i call her coach taplin um anyone that follows my strata will see that on instagram um and we have actually done that race. Uh, that was my fourth time I've gone to Rome. So we normally run that together. So that was her first marathon and her husband actually had a bet with her because she's uh, she says she hates running and she had a bet with her husband. He said that she would never run a marathon and she said, well, she would, but she wouldn't do one here. She wanted to go to Rome. So we did that, I think, two thousand and. I think 2018 was the first year we did that, or maybe 17, and we, we run it together. But last year, unfortunately, she was injured, so it was the first time I raced it. And um, what an experience um, being on the start line. I didn't realise that given my, like I've just done a sub three hour, so that actually put me up with the elites. Yeah. And there were a few of us on the start line just thinking like, 
we're in the wrong spot here. Like we, you know, all the elite runners in that corral. Oh, it was it was amazing experience, fantastic experience. Um, but you and you did finish top ten in that, and and you ran ran a sub three hour marathon too, didn't you? Yeah, just sub three, but um, it was it was brilliant. The crowd, Rome Marathon is one of my favourite. Like the crowds, there's crowds all along the course. They have a band every um every about kilometre. They have a different band going, and just the atmosphere. It's it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, so you mentioned with the Sat Champs last year, um, it took a lot out of you mentally, and I know it took a lot out of a, a few of the runners, like. A lot of them have only just come back to running backyard ultras now and there's some of them who haven't even run one since um so did you expect to feel like that afterwards like you must have gone in there with a lot of a lot of um i don't know if you would call it pressure but a lot of like it was a big race it was and i think i I did kind of expect that um to feel a little bit like that afterwards. I felt like that after Ironman and things like that. You sort of, because um, you have this big goal and then you finish that and sort of what's next, but you do need a break. So, yeah, I didn't, I it wasn't a it wasn't a bad feeling and I just, I know that it's a good thing to have a break and just ch- like just change how you sort of think after a run like that. But um, the championships were amazing and it actually, um it really shows working together so we've i've always gone into these backyard ultras with the mindset that we do need to work together and that's the style of race because you can't do your best if there's no one left standing and so um but the world champs was actually a real eye-opener where all of the guys and the girls, Jess and I, we worked together and encouraged each other and it really showed how you can benefit from working in those groups. Mm. Um, and, you know, just it was a different, it was a real different feeling and having only a small number of 15 people and no one wanted to go out first because no one wanted to let the team down. So, you know, we all wanted to push and everyone did really well. Like it was a great it was a great event um, and everyone out there, just the camaraderie was just amazing. Yeah. And you did really well. Like you broke the female Australian record and yeah. I think you won an Aura Prize for best performance for a female under yeah. 60 for that event. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. It was it was a really nice feeling Um to know like everyone's cheering you on to just push those few extra laps i was i wish i had hit 50 um but i did have a bit of an ankle issue um and i've had stress fractures before in my ankles so i was a little bit concerned and at the end i I really i couldn't really walk on it or anything so as much as i'd like to and you do think afterwards like oh could i have gone a little bit further but yeah i yeah i was i was done then (laughs) Yeah. But when you had the stress fractures in the ankles, how long did that keep you out for? Um, the first one uh, was probably two months, really. Um, and now I'm pretty aware, like I get a stress reaction and I know straight away that I need to back off. Or um, And usually it's a combination of diet and workload 
um, and a few other things like that. So I just need to be cautious of that. Yeah. Um, do you find that, like, or when you say diet, do you mean, like, if you're not having enough calories, like, it's yeah. more likely to happen? Yeah. With the workload that we do with ultras, um, I think we have to be really cautious and make sure we are actually having enough calories and stuff and, and sleep comes into it and then, you know, working as well like it all impacts everything on your body and yeah if you're not fueling enough then that's you know that's part of it yeah sure um was breaking the australian record um your goal going into the set chance no actually it was just to try and do as many as laps as i could for the aussie team yeah. you know it was just i was so excited to be part of it and um I knew going in, like, I my top, my PB then was only 38 laps and I knew all the other guys and Jess had all, were all 40 plus. So I didn't want to let the team down, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when did you lock birdies in? Um, it was straight after birdies like, like last year. <laughs> Right. I usually I usually enter that one. Birdies is one of my favourite events. Um, I did the fat ass event um, before they had it at Lake Town Inning, um, and I don't think I've missed one of the birdies events yet. So, and I've already locked in for next year as oh, well. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. A few people have told me that it's their favourite. I can see why because it's an awesome course and so well yeah. done. Yeah. It's a it's a brilliant course. I'm not a I'm not much of a trail runner. Um so I like that it's got uh, you know that sort of uh fire trail that that dirt road for 2 kilometers and then you go over the little island and the little bridge and it's not really trail but it's you know it's a bit of cross country and then you go through what we call the little enchanted forest section. Yeah. And I think just all the different changes except for the stairs <laughs> All the different changes actually, you know, really make it a great course. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It kept your mind active because there's so many different sections. Yeah. And it was all so easy on the feet as well, I found. Yeah, although this year was the first time I've ever had trouble with my feet and I was really lucky that um, Glenn Smetheron and Gemma Gore were there to assist because I, the underneath of my feet started to get a bit macerated. Nice. which I've not actually had before, and they um, they jumped in and actually fixed my feet up for me, which was brilliant. Do you, do you know what the cause of that was? Not sure. Um, maybe just the different – I was wearing different shoes. I had a slight ankle injury um, the week before, uh, so – and I couldn't actually wear, nor, like, the normal shoes that I normally wear. So lucky I took so many pairs of shoes because I, yeah, wore some different shoes and possibly that could have been the cause of it. Yeah, yeah. How many sh different pairs of shoes did you take? I think I had eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after the race had finished, Carl Douglas wrote up a bit of a, um, like a, a paragraph or two uh, just about the event and he did mention that you and him had a chat the night before it started and you found that your strategies were both pretty similar so um you decided to run together so so what was that strategy um going into the race well i actually um that goes back to the worlds when i jumped in with jess and carl and they were doing 
basically, um, so at Worlds, we had a bit of a hill at the start. So we would walk the hill, then we would run 10 minutes, then we'd do like a three and two minute run walk. Um, and previously, because I'm mainly a road runner, I think, I tend to mentally, especially, I tend to just run. And I, like walking for me is very hard. So when I jumped in with them at Worlds, it actually made me think, like, this actually works. And even though Phil Gore has been telling me forever, do the run-walk strategy, um, it, it worked at Worlds. And so I said to Carl, like, I, this is a strategy I want to go in with. So 10-minute run, because the first 10 minutes was pretty runnable, and then switched to the three-and-two run-walk. Um, and... A few others were sort of doing similar or four and two. I think Rob and Jess may have done like a four and two a bit in there or four and three or something. And I think Aaron and a few of the others were doing similar. So we're, we're all sort of around the same thing, but I know it works really well. And it also, it conserves that energy, just getting that walk in, gets the heart rate down. Um, it's something I'm still working on because I do, I don't walk very fast. So yeah, I need to practice a little bit more. Mm. Um, you both, you and Carl both looked really strong. Like, I mean, that 10-minute run, then 3-2 uh, run walk straight, it, it put you like you were one of the first ones coming, like finishing each laps, I think. Like you were up the front. Yeah, um, I think we were still coming in around low 40s or 45 minutes. So I just wanted to have a 10- or 15-minute window that I could just um grab some food maybe try and have a lie down i i've never been able to sleep at these back out i do i try and lie down and sleep but i've never been able to really sleep um but just to have a lie down and just sort of get the heart rate down and take some nutrition on and that sort of thing so it's yeah i don't want too much time i think you seize up a bit too much um having too much time every lap so yeah just a little bit of time yeah. So before the set champs, when you didn't really use a run walk strategy, were you like running your loops in like forty minute kind of time? Yeah. So at birdies, I think the year that I did thirty eight laps, I was running around about thirty eight to forty two minutes per lap, pretty much every lap. I don't think, and I think I started. It's a bit vague now, but I think I started doing little walks, maybe around somewhere like 28 to 30, but pretty much running um, the whole way, which in hindsight probably isn't the smartest thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I remember it was probably around hour 30 um, you slowed down at 30s. I mean, you even told me that it was a conscious decision to slow down. Um, So was that just a reaction to how you were feeling at the time or did you actually think to yourself pre-race at around 30 I'll, I'll slow down no well it was really strange because both Carl and I even at lap 30 thought we feel really good and normally at lap sort of I think I don't know if we had this discussion on the course but I was talking to someone and normally around lap sort of 12 I start feeling 12 to 18 is like you start going well oh, this is getting a little bit hard now and even at lap thir- like at lap 30, it felt sort of like I would normally at lap 12. And Carl said the same thing. And we thought, 
maybe we need to slow down because we just I don't know this this is feeling too good <laughs> so we need to back it off a little bit because because it might hit us really hard you know you might really hit that wall at lap 35 or something so we thought we really need to jump on with some of the others that are going a little bit slower because they're clearly smarter than us and we'll back it off and just try and conserve more energy yeah and was that just um more walking or running slower do you remember um a bit of both a, a little bit of both really yeah but we still tended to like we were still we you get caught up in what you're doing so yeah we still sort of did our own thing but yeah we just tried to just back it down so just if you catch up with a group that's a little bit behind you and you can have a chat and a bit of a relax and you know it just makes you slow down that little bit just to yeah conserve that energy and it wasn't like you were slowing down heaps it was maybe you was i think you were still finishing your loops like in under 50 minutes yeah i think we were still around 48 or something 49 so it was still good you know still good time and i i had actually gone into this race i was talking to jen about it because she was crewing for me um and my coach tony smith and i'd said to them i wanted to look at it more like a, a a race where you stop at aid stations and then you keep going so when i did wtf 100 miler it was more about like you would it's a point it's a out and back course but you would come through you would stop at the aid station you would just grab what you need maybe take five minutes change your clothes quickly or something like that and then you'd continue on and i wanted to think of it more of a race like that rather than a race where i go and i get 20 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever to stop and just do nothing i wanted a more maybe more productive you know and make sure i'm taking that nutrition and hydration and you know that sort of stuff because we're still working on that um i'm not very good with nutrition so we're still working on that side of it so really sort of focus on that um because i want to make the team hopefully for worlds next year um you know there's still those things that we're trying to get right yeah um so it was pretty cold at birdies it wasn't as quite as cold as the masters at dead cow gully for me anyway but everyone yeah. told me it would be cold at birdies and i think it was about one degree so um how did you um do you like running in the cold and how do you manage running in the cold i absolutely hate the cold weather I, yeah i can't stand it but um i had some good kit this year um so i just managed to make sure that i was changing clothes enough so that when you get sweaty you know obviously um have a change of clothes so you don't get too cold gloves i always have my big jacket going up to the start line to make sure i'm warm you know um it was interesting because because rob parsons was saying at one point that he doesn't tend to do that because then he feels really warm and then when he takes it off he gets really cold but i am um, yeah, I've always I just rug up when I'm resting on the lap, and you know, make sure I'm rugged up when I'm on course as well. Yeah, and I guess the uh, the longer you have your long your long jacket on, the the longer you are feeling comfortable for. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. It's about feeling comfortable for as much as you can of an ultra. Yeah, and and going into birdies, had you set yourself a goal or target or anything like that? 
Um, not really. My actual, my A race was going to be Adelaide. So I'd actually originally um, planned to just have birdies as a training run. But I did say to Jen, like, we'll just see what happens. And if I feel good, then we'll see if we can do some big numbers. Um, but if I don't, that's okay. Maybe we'll pull the pin at 24 and really focus on on going to Adelaide because Adelaide's a great course. It's really flat and, you know, it's in this uh, centre of Adelaide, so it's close to everything as well. Um, but, yeah, you know, it turned out Birdies was, was the place to try and get some big numbers. Yeah. So I remember you ran it. Um, no, this is no time to die. You're talking about in Adelaide. And yes. I, I remember you did it last year, but you only did 24 because it was kind of like a lead into the set champs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard. It's, it's hard to do that because you do go in and people have expectations and they don't know what your plan is. And we, when we went to no time to die, my coach, Tony Smith had, he put a cap on how many laps I would do because we had worlds coming up and we really wanted to focus on it more being a training run because I really, I had hurdies and birdies that same year and I'd really struggled with nutrition and upset stomach and nausea and everything. So it was more focusing on getting that right at no time to die and taking that into worlds. So there was no point doing any big numbers there um, and wrecking myself for worlds. Yeah. Um, are you not doing no time to die this year or uh, unfortunately we've had some family issues um so i'm at this stage i'm probably looking at loxton um instead of adelaide yeah yeah okay um so some people were telling me at uh birdies that you were pretty keen to um to run a bigs qualifier was that in your mind at all i do uh, well um, when they say that, I think it's because to make the team now, like there's so many great ultra runners, um, to make the team, we're really looking at probably minimum 52 laps yeah. um, and probably realistically at least 55 to make the Aussie team. So I'm currently sitting on at 18th on the list um, and they only take 15. So... Yeah, so hopefully at Loxton or I'm um, entered for birdies next year, or maybe I'll look at another one over east um, earlier in the year to try and to try and make the team. Yeah, so um, Loxton is hysterical carnage. That's a silver ticket race, and birdies is next next year as well. So yeah, yep, that's pretty cool. Um, so I'm, hopefully we'll see you there. Yeah, well, I'm going to be at hysterical carnage. So I'll see. Oh, awesome. You. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. I think a lot of people are chasing that silver ticket, so it's going to be a pretty strong field. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. So even if you don't get the silver ticket, I mean, if there's a, if it's a big number, like you can probably qualify for the team just by running the assist, or if you like, we're, if you go for six or something. We're going to fifty-five, Pato. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah, at least. <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned this earlier. You you mentioned that you usually find um, between twelve and eighteen like hours the mentally hardest. Now I remember you told me this at about the nine hour mark. Yeah, that's what you normally experience. But it, did you have that experience at birdies, like finding that I, mentally tough? I didn't, and I 
Um, in a race, probably the second birdies, uh, I think it was with Phil Gore, and we were talking about you just want to get to that hard point. Like you want all the easy stuff over, and it's not easy, but you want, you know, you want to be past 20 laps or 24 laps and you want to get into the actual race. And I think that's why we, that's why you find it so hard because, you know, you like, you just want to get into it. Yeah. And I also think it's because, like, you've been going for 12 hours, which is feels like a long time, and then you're thinking to yourself, I've got to do this all over again just to get to 20. <laughs> yeah, never, uh, I think it's really, like, never, ever think, oh, I'm only halfway, like, I'm halfway <laughs> to my goal. Like, don't, don't think that, especially if you're at lap 30 and think, how can I get to 60, like, you know, like, I've got to do another 30. <laughs> so, yeah, don't, don't think that. <laughs> well, you... Um, purposely blocking out what number loop you're up to or did were you always aware no i tend to forget and lose track and i always ask jen what lap are we at and that's why she like she'll get me to hold up my like you know lap five lap four or whatever but i i think especially when you pass maybe 15 you kind of just i lose track i don't know what i don't know what i'm up to so which is a good thing i think you don't focus on that number because then you do tend to think oh you know i've still got this far to go or or whatever so yeah um yeah i purposely stopped counting as well but it's so hard not to count at night time because you just want the sun to come out so much i i tend to count it down as well like i think um with ultras because ultras is such a mental game and you've got to trick you trick your mind and so if you think you know if you think oh there's six hours till sunrise, but I'm on this lap, so, you know, there's really only five more laps and then there'll be four. Like you, you've got to really try and turn it into a positive and yeah. try and, you know, focus on that because that sunrise is amazing. Like it, I think it changes everything when you see the sun come up the next day. Yeah, yeah, and it warms up so much so quickly too. Oh, yeah, I think it makes everyone happy. yeah. <laughs> Um, so so was there a particular part of the race that was like extra hard for you um i think when when i lost carl because we worked so well together um and he had looked so he looked so strong and i was sure that like you know he was on track for 50 like he he looked so good and then he sort of just hit that that wall. Um, so it was sad that he went because we'd worked. I mean, I think I think we we're both surprised. I think he was surprised that he was still with me at twenty four because I think I was just chatting his ear off the whole way. I think he was surprised um, that we had so much to talk about, or I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was really a bit difficult because I felt bad. There was um, there was a lap that he helped Chris because uh, Chris wasn't you're doing so well and so Carl had stopped to help Chris and then I sort of went um and I came back for Carl and then the next lap I had to say to him look I, I've just got to run you, you know I've got to continue doing this routine that I'm doing and they all understood that but I find that really I felt bad not running with him you know not continuing to try and get him around the course so yeah that wasn't that was a bit hard I think Mm -hmm. Well, um, I know Carl's going to be at Hysterical Carnage as well, so that will be good. Yeah, he's um, 
Look, he's on track to do some big numbers and it'd be great to see him in, in the Aussie team again as well because he's, yeah, he's mentally really strong yeah, as well as physically, but mentally he's he's really tough. And if he can nail that nutrition, I, I think it was probably the nutrition that got him towards the end. So if he can nail that, he'll he'll do really well. Yeah. Um, and what about the other way around? Was there like a period um, of the race like, towards the end, like when you were deep in the race, when you were thinking this is like unusually easy? Um, I mean, it's to, when we're in the 40s, um, it, it's hard. Like, I'd, I mean, I was a bit sleep deprived and got a bit emotional. I think I had a bit of a cry at one point and said, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then they were like, no, you can. And I don't know. Um, I think, the, I mean, the last lap was pretty exciting for me, knowing that, you know, Rob had stopped and, I mean, he's got bigs coming up. So 45, look, I was I was glad that he stopped in a way because I was, I, I, you know, I was like, oh, 46 is good. Um, but, you know, then you sort of think like, oh, maybe 50 would have been good. Yeah. But I was, I was excited on that last lap to know that, you know, I'd actually won and was finishing 46 laps strong and, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, and you did mention before that you don't really sleep between loops, but you do try. Do, did you fall asleep at all between any loops or how did you go with that? Uh, look, I probably had somewhere between two and five minutes sometimes. Um, it's hard. You close your eyes and next minute the alarm's going off and you think, I've just fallen like I've I've just got to sleep, but realistically, it's probably been five minutes. So I probably did have more than I I realised. Um, but I just find even just lying down is just good good recovery. Yeah. Um. So you also mentioned before that like you're still trying to nail your nutrition, and there was some talk around at Birdies as well that you were having stomach issues. So um, is that the case? Yeah. So. I think so. I've always been a runner that doesn't run on a lot, so I don't. I, I'm it's it's bad training, I guess, but I don't always take nutrition and stuff out when I when I run. Um, so I've been practicing that, and before birdies last year, I'd really practiced that, I'd really pushed that. You know, I was eating, walking, eating, running, um, in training. And I thought, you know, I'd sort of figured it out. And then at birdies, I think I just overloaded. I think I went way too far the other way. And especially for me, I think it's so individual. Um, so this year we went back to just sort of pairing it back and back to basics. So when I did 38 at birdies, I survived off basically Coke, water, Gatorade, pumpkin soup, some bread rolls, and a few hundred K races I've done have just been on Coke, Gatorade and water. And I run well on that. So we've sort of taken it back a little bit. Um, saying that at Worlds, I did have a bacon and egg burger and that was really good. So we've so we've implemented some toasties. Um, so it's still a bit of trial and error, but we're I think we're getting there and I just have to make sure I'm not overloading the stomach. You yeah. know, because everyone's saying like you need to eat, need to eat more, you need to eat more, and I think I just went way too far the other way. Yeah, and was it you were just feeling nauseous, or 
What was it? So, so Birdie's last year was actually vomiting up blood, which was oh, not yeah. good. And that was that was on the start line. So, um, and so I threw up on the start line and then about 100 metres after the start, I threw up again and Jen Millam just stopped with me and she was making sure I was okay and um, which was really good of her. Um, and, yeah, that it was just I was just done, which was really disappointing. But, you know, sometimes you can't you, – you, it's out of your control so you can't really do anything about it. Yeah, so um, did you get that, like – did you find out what? Look, that sounds pretty serious. Vomiting up blood. Yeah. Um, did, um, did you go? Yeah. To so they reckon. So I think my stomach was in distress, like just way overloaded, and stomach's in distress. Um, and it did take me a little bit to recover from that. But yeah, it's just it. Yeah, I just I took way too much on, and it was not good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the people would have. If people saw that, they probably would have like urged you to pull out as well. If, if, it was in the. It was. It was in the dark. So right. thankfully, even though it was right on the start line, I was so embarrassed. But thankfully, I don't think many people saw it. So yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And um, and is that the only time that that's happened? Vomiting up blood. Um, I did. Yeah, yeah. That was the only time I did. I. I was similar at Herdy's, um, but just more like just nauseous. Again, I just took on too much, um, but just more nauseous and, yeah, couldn't take any more food on. And that was really early in the race too. So that was like before lap 10, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so at Birdie's, um I ran 34 hours, which was my best. And it was the first time I'd ever had, because it was the longest I'd ever gone, it was the first time I'd ever had any real hallucinations, like late into that race. So um, did you have any hallucinations? No, I've not had really any hallucinations. Like sometimes you think you see something um, and then you realise it's just a shadow or a bush or something, but I've never had any real hallucinations the the first uh sorry the second year at birdies um you know so the boat ramp that we run down now so i would run past we used to run past that and i would run past that and every in the dark i'd look down there and think there was a man standing there but it was just shadows so it wasn't really a hallucination but yeah yeah um yeah because it was towards the end i was just running along that first section and I saw a sign that said um, free apples. And I, and, I, and I remember thinking, oh, someone must have come up and put that sign up like just in the last hour because it's the first time I've seen yeah. it. Oh, and I love that. Yeah. And then, and then it disappeared and I realised, oh, it wasn't real. That's <laughs> just a hallucination. I love it. <laughs> um, so I find that at a lot of... Um, Backyard ultras, the best runners are often the first in the starting to, starting corral and often the strongest away at the start as well. And pretty much you were that that's you, like you were in there first and you were always strong out. So is that just the way you are or like a deliberate tactic to kind of like um like a not mind game, but just to purposely look strong? 
No, I have no poker face, Pato. Um, so, no, it's not at all. I just, I don't know, I like to be in there early, but it's, it's not a mind game. It's just, I I think even for me, um, it's just like, right, let's go, you know, just get to there and, you know, stand around for a couple of minutes. But, yeah, I think that's just me. It's not not mind games. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't um, want to be off the front so much, but it's more it's like early on it's sort of just getting um, out of the crowd, you know, with birdies they've got the, the bridge. So Carl and I had thought like, so when I say we ran 10 minutes, the first few laps we actually ran, we were running to the bridge and it was more just to sort of clear out of the crowd and um, we don't mind waiting and walking across, but it was just easier, you know, to get out the front and just, you know, get across the bridge and, yeah. Yeah. Um, because I did make it um, a conscious decision to get into the Stone Scout early-ish and you were always there before me and I was thinking, oh, gee, Margie looks strong. She must be feeling <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good to know. I'll use that tactic next time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when it was just yourself and Rob Parsons left, you did mention before that you were running together, but did you run together pretty much the whole time? It was just the two of you? Yeah, we did. Like, to, well, initially we didn't. We were sort of doing different strategies. So he, I think Rob was doing a four and two, but Rob can walk like no one else so Aaron and Rob can walk at crazy speed so I've my little legs would not keep up with him so I'd sort of said to him because we did do a little bit of walking with him and Jess at one point and um and I, yeah I just couldn't keep up so I, when it was the two of us initially I just sort of said to him I'm just going to go back to doing my own thing just because I do struggle with that fast walk pace um and then he asked me, I can't remember what lap it was, he's like, oh, do you mind if I join you for a little bit? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. So we ran and then we sort of just ran together um, for the rest of it really off and on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was good. It was good to talk to him. He's um, he's he's an amazing runner. He's going to do so well at bigs. So yeah. I, I liked actually. It was good to chat to him and get some information from him and learn some things i find you always learn stuff off the other runners out there so it's good to have a chat yeah sure yeah he's a really um smart smart analytical kind of guy as well yeah he's and mentally he's really tough and like he just doesn't show it like he was looking so strong out there as well and he said to me at one point he said this could go on forever we could be you know he goes you look really strong and I feel really strong and, you know, we could just keep going. So, um, but, yeah, he had, he was told by his coach that he, his limit was meant to be 40, but he had wanted to do 45 because he had, I think, I don't know if it was at birdies or hurdies, but he had pulled out at 44. Um, so he wanted to hit 45, just I think more of a mental thing, just, you know, he did 73 at Worlds, so... Um, he's a very strong runner, but I think mentally for him, he just wanted to hit that 45 and he still felt really good. And, you know, going into bigs, that puts him in a good mindset as well. Yeah, because after the race, I did have a, a brief chat to him and he did tell me that he wanted to do 45 because he did, because it beats his, that was at birdies last year, he did 44. Um, did he tell? Did he tell you at any stage that was his 
um, plan on stopping at 45? Yeah, he said to me, um, like, if I was not feeling it, then he probably would have kept going and pushed on and he would have got the win. Um, But he knew that his coach wanted him to stop at 40, um, but he wanted the 45. So it's, you know, I think it was really hard for him because he was feeling so good. And he could have, I mean, he he could have taken that, I think, um, you know, he's done 73, so he could have definitely gone well past the 50 mark um, and probably taken the race out. So I think it was a hard decision for him, but but I think it was the right decision for him going to bigs, you know, because you have to, I think with these races, you have to look at, you know, what are you achieving by doing that extra? Is it going to benefit him going towards bigs? Like he's feeling really good and he's mentally strong. So, you know, and when your coach tells you to do 40 and you've already gone over that, like how much do you push it? So, yeah, yeah we did chat. We were chatting about all those sorts of things, yeah. Yeah. And, and when during the race did you realise that you were actually going to be the last one standing? Well, I like... I believed I believed um, Rob when he said that he was probably going to pull out at forty five. But part part of me thought, oh, maybe he won't. Maybe he'll keep going, and we'll keep going and going and going. And then when he got to the start corral, and then he got down in the push up position, and I didn't really understand what that meant. But I think a few others realised that he was going to pull out. And then when we crossed the line. I was like, oh, he's actually, he's actually stopped. Oh my god! Like I, like I just need to finish this lap, and I'll actually, I'll win birdies. So yeah, it was, it was actually at the last lap when when he stopped. <laughs> um, so this is the first time I've heard about a push-up position. Like, did you actually get oh, down and start doing yeah, push-ups? Well, maybe it was a race position. It was in a race position. He was doing. Oh, there's a photo of it. Right. Or the video and. I heard someone say, oh, no, Rob, or something. So I assumed they thought, oh, no, he's, he's, I'm not sure, but yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Sounds pretty I cool. Think big, I think big, I think big Kev does that. I think he's known for doing that sort of thing. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so when you found out that he was, or when he told you he would stop at 45, or when you found out he was going to stop, did you, try and talk him into going further or did you just kind of like think okay i kind of thought okay i think um partly because i know it's the right decision for him um and part of me honestly was like okay well i'm good with that um and there was a little part that was like oh maybe you could go for more but i was so happy with the race overall I, I I was just excited, you know, it was just it was a great race. So I was kind of happy with 46, to be honest. I mean, you know, obviously I want to make the team, so I need to do more than that, but it was just a great race. So I'm having two really average races before that, um, and then the Worlds was a great race, and now having birdies is another good race. It's a good confidence booster mm-hmm. to go try and go further and to know what to work on to go further. Yeah, sure. Um, because you did look really strong at the end of birdies, at the end of that um, 46 loop. And 
it was just when the sun was coming up as well so there was a whole new day um to come so do you reckon like did you feel as though like you could have run for a whole other day if 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 you needed to i'd like to think so i'd like to think that i could um you know ideally really want to get over that 50 mark so feeling like i did during the race i'd like to think that i've got more in me and that i could have kept going yeah 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 and what was that last loop like on your own like did you run the whole thing or did you just do a run walk strategy and and what kind of things were you thinking I actually just stuck with the same sort of strategy. So I was I was running a little bit less by then. Um, but, yeah, I, I stuck to the same sort of strategy. Um, I was just really excited. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what I was thinking. I, was just, I know I was just really excited to, yeah, to take yeah. the win. Yeah, yeah. It would have been exciting too. Um, so what's next? Uh, so Loxton, and um, I've actually entered, I've applied for Costa Kosciuszko, um, and I don't know if I'll make the team because they are pretty strict with their applications and they only take a, a limited amount. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I think we're meant to find out this week who's oh. in at Costa Cosi, so that'll be exciting. But it's very close to Loxton. I think there's only about a week between yeah <laughs> so that could be interesting yeah i think it's it's after though isn't it yeah it's the first of december so i did tell the coach i would just take that week as complete recovery and then i should be good to go but we'll see if i if i if i make it yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. um yeah because it would be awesome to um to race again at hysterical carnage together that would be really good yeah look i'll look forward to it have you got a training have you got a plan um not really but i am doing um a shepparton backyard ultra like in eight days so i'm just yeah so i'm just going to try my best to go for as far as i can in that um hopefully smash the 34 and then um and then do another PB at Hysterical Carnage because I'd love to make that um, Australian team as well. That would be that would be a dream come true. Well, it looks like we'll be doing some laps at uh, at Loxton, Pato. We'll get yeah. to that fifty yeah, at least. Yeah. yeah, sure. Have you raced at Hysterical Carnage before? No, and I believe there's a hill with um, they've made it into some steps, which is not. Um, I mean, it sounds similar to the world's course where we had that hill at the start as well. So um, it just means walking that first bit up the hill and then putting your run-walk strategy in place, really. So just a bit of a slight tweak of the plan. Mm. I don't mind the sound of um, stairs because you know how they had the stairs at 30s? A lot of yep. people were telling me they hated those stairs, but that was a that was nice. I just... I walked up them really weird. I walked up them with really with my legs really, really wide. And it felt it felt good. So I might try and do that at hysterical carnage too. I wasn't a huge fan of the stairs, but it was more that they had taken the toilets on course out. So you sort of detoured past those. But I mean as much as I say I don't like the stairs, I still love the course and it, I did like the change. So it, was, it wasn't it was bad. Yeah. And um, 
And you, are you a lock-in for Herdies next year as well? Well, Jen and I were planning on going to Rome next year for the marathon again, which is the same weekend, but we're not sure if we're going yet. So possibly I'll be at Herdies. Yeah. And just out of interest, um, what um, got you into the Rome marathon? Like, do you have family there or it's just a no, place just, to go to? Just, just a place to go to. It's, yeah, just love it over there. Yeah, cool. Um, so you did tell me you're going to be defending your title at 30s next year as well? Hopefully, yes. That's yeah. the plan. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, and that will be the last chance, I guess, to um, qualify for the Australian team. So hopefully, you will have well and truly qualified by then, anyway. But I might have to um, go there too as a last throw, of, last roll of the dice, if it if it comes to that. But I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough to make the Australian team. Like I think it's, yeah, we're going to have to do some big numbers because we've got such amazing runners. Yeah, I think. So. Um, I think going. I think the silver ticket is the only way to make sure that you're going to get in. Unless I think you'll get in, Pato. <laughs> Fifty plus laps yeah. at Loxton, we'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that um, I might um, bring in a new thing for the podcast, just where I ask every guest at the end of every episode their three tips for doing well in a backyard ultra. So what would your three tips for doing well in a backyard ultra be? And this is for, like, just someone who wants to do well. Well, one thing I like to say that you should do is you should train how you race and race how you train. So obviously that doesn't mean always running fast, but always practice um, what you're going to do in the race in your training. So make sure you're... You, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, nutrition is a huge one. So always practicing that nutrition. Um, also another one, another tip I'd say would be when you're at the start line, especially these backyard ultras, don't look at everyone else and think, oh, they all look so good and I don't feel good at all. And because, you know, that mental side of it, you start doubting yourself and you're getting those negative thoughts. So make sure that you just do your own race and focus on what you're doing and don't worry about everyone else around you when they walk to the start line looking great and in good shape. Um, yeah, and I'd say third, like, just have fun. Like, don't put too much pressure on yourself and have fun with the people out there. So there's a, a really good runner, Aaron, um, and he just did birdies. He just did a fantastic ride and birdies and and rode down south to raise money um fundraiser but he's out there on the course every race and he's out there encouraging everyone and he'll go to the back of the packers and he'll you know run walk with them and get them around and he's having such a great time and i had a chat with him the other day and he said that's one thing that makes him really love these events but he also goes really fast so aaron's going to bigs um he's done i think 63 laps before but that's you know you look at him and he has such a great time at these races helping other people and chatting and being social and i think that's something it, these races these ultras aren't about you know getting to the finish line you know you need to enjoy it 
so that you go far. So that's what I would say. So, yeah, make sure you enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, I did notice that about Aaron too. That was the first time I'd ever run in a race with him. And, yeah, I noticed that, like, he was at the back helping people who were struggling. And But he, he's a, I was impressed with how good a runner he was because I, I remember at one stage I thought I was, like, running fast and he wanted to get back quickly and he just went past me at 100 yeah. kilometres an hour. Yeah, he's incredible, and he did the same at Worlds. He's he's out there helping everyone else, but he's such a brilliant runner. He can still run his own race as well. Like he's he's amazing. So yeah, he's he's going to do well. They're all going to do well at Bigs. We've got some amazing runners going to Bigs. Yeah, It'd be yeah, great awesome. to watch. Yeah, I think we've got seven Australians going. How good's that? I think so. I don't. Did, do you know if Tim got in? I'm not sure if for his first reserve. Oh, okay. Well, fingers crossed for him because he's yeah. a great runner as well. So, yeah. So he could still get in, but um, but I, I think I think he got an email or something from Laz confirming that his first reserve. So, um, it kind of leaves him in a position where it does. It's a fifty-fifty, I guess. Like you just yeah. He probably have to buy a ticket and go over there and just hope someone um pulls out i guess if you want to yeah yeah but it's an expensive trip flying to america without knowing you're actually going to run it is very it would be very expensive yeah. yeah um well done again on your win at birdies thanks pato and and thanks for coming on the podcast no worries i look forward to catching up at loxton yeah i can't wait it's going to be a great race yeah be awesome yeah, well, all the best. I hope hopefully you get into Costa Cozzi because that sounds like that, that is an epic race. Like that's it'd a, be awesome. That's an, yeah. iconic, an iconic race. That would be heaps of fun. It starts on the beach at Eden, I believe, doesn't it? And then yeah. it goes all the way up to the top of Mount Kosciuszko. It does. Yeah. Yep. So it'd be pretty epic. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, thanks again, Margie, and um, have a great day. We'll be in touch, and I'll see you at um, Hysterical Carnage. Awesome. Thanks, Pato. No worries. See ya. If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya.